0: It was especially like an example that I can think of in recent history was when the Bucks took a walkout in 2020. Is <laughs> <laughs> that nice. Siri? Sorry, <laughs> oh.
1: Siri
2: popped up. I don't know. Siri's if, like, if I if didn't, didn't get it. that.
0: Speak up, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we want Jalen Brown, even if the Nets don't, and maybe the Celtics don't either. Today, we have with us Ben Goliver. Finally, he is a national NBA writer for the Washington Post, and he's the author of Bubble Ball, which was about the NBA during the bubble. We also, of course, have Jordan, and we have our special guest producer, Peter Moses, who has been, how long have we worked together now?
3: A year and a half.
0: year and a half. Year and a half.
3: Happy to be here, um, uh, Scorpio, and also <laughs> my moon sign is also Scorpio, so full Scorpio,
0: Ooh.
3: get ready.
2: Ooh, I didn't know get that. <laughs> pew, pew, pew,
1: No, that's great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed's doing something no other job site has done. Now with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash minsters to start hiring now. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Hello, Ben. How are you?
2: doing great uh it's it's so nice to be finally on this show i love you guys listened pretty much since the first episode i'm in forever in your debt ailey for the uh, incredible reading that you gave me a couple of years ago which was just absolutely perfect i still hear from people about that so uh, yeah it's great to be here do you really Yeah, every once in a while, because it was so different, you know, like you you came on open floor and typically we're like doing breaking down trade analysis and you're telling me my moon and all these different things that nobody had ever (laughs) heard before. And it was so shockingly accurate, I think was, was what really threw people. So,
0: Look, I appreciate that. Um, Another win for astrology
1: honestly this <laughs> is so on brand I was like I don't even know what you're talking about but I still know what you're talking about what she did
0: <laughs> thank you um I am excited we're excited to have you because we you can actually bring NBA analysis um so let's start with Jalen Brown the aforementioned Jalen Brown um look apparently the Nets don't think he's enough I hope this is the most up-to-date thing but uh let's see I pulled this from like a Yahoo article according to the Athletic Sham scenario initially offered the Brooklyn Nets the Celtics initially offered the Brooklyn Nets a package of Jalen Brown Derek White and a draft pick the Nets countered asking for Brown Marcus Smart and more draft capital coincidentally I guess Mm. we have to say to kick it off Jalen is a member of the Celtics because of a previous blockbuster deal with Brooklyn. Right. So it's not like they're not connected already. Their fates have been intertwined. Um, doesn't seem like Jalen was happy with the news. He sent out a tweet, um, got a history now being a cryptic tweeter. He just <laughs> sent out SMH, right? Jordan, is that? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. SMH. No punctuation, no nothing. Capital S. I do want to highlight not all capital. I think that would have been a different tone. If it was all capital, SMH. But normal punctuation there.
0: Yeah, if it was all capital, would have been, you know, he's very upset. Now it's kind of like he's distanced and upset. Mm-hmm. Um, then. It- Whose side would this be smarter for, dumber for? Are we undervaluing KD here? Are we undervaluing Jalen? Would Marcus Smart be thrown into any trade ever? It seems like he's going to be a career Celtic until he gets hurt and they decide to trade him.
2: Well, I'm just glad we've upgraded from trying to parse emojis to now abbreviations. This feels like a step in the right direction. (laughs) Maybe we'll get full tweet uh, sentiments here in the next couple of years. (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to the trade rumors, um, I was with you, you know, trying to look at the SMH with the capitals or not. I mean, to me, it's just kind of a matter of fatigue for Jalen Brown. It's like I've been in the Kawhi rumors and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can, Anthony Davis rumors. And it's like, meanwhile, all he's done is ascend to all star status, take, help take a team to the finals. I thought he was their best player in the finals. And so to me, you know, if you're trying to make a swap and you look at their age difference and even their salary difference, I'm not sure Boston would have to throw in a ton beyond. Um, Jalen Brown, in terms of players, to get this deal done. Who else is Brooklyn kind of uh, looking at in terms of centerpiece players? I mean, they're, the the Phoenix Suns package kind of collapsed because DeAndre Ayton uh, had to sign that offer sheet. We haven't really heard any other players as good as Jalen Brown be kind of thrown into this mix. So this kind of feels like the best offer you know Brooklyn has seen so far. And I can understand why, if you're the Nets, that's probably not enough. I mean, don't you want more um, if, if you're trading away, Kevin Durant, a guy who you kind of built everything around and you've had some success with these last couple of years. This to me, it kind of feels like a a trade rumor where nobody's happy. Like, you know, the Celtics are like, yeah, we don't want to give you all that. Jalen's upset. Katie seems very upset. I mean, he's not talking to anybody laying really low and, and making weird tweets of his own. And then the Nets are just sort of like, well, will somebody please give us a Rudy Gobert package. Like, we're looking for the Rudy Gobert package. And so I don't know. I'm not sure we're going to see a deal uh, with these terms quite yet.
0: Yeah, to me, it feels like to see how realistic this is, we need to see how far gone KD is. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we've all been through breakups where you break up with a person, you don't really mean it. You're just (laughs) like trying to make a point. So, I don't know, because he's obviously been very unhappy. I believe I might have dreamt this because I had a lot of nightmares last night that I don't want to get into but it it was scary enough that I remembered it when I woke up. Like those, those kind Lord. of nightmares are the worst kind. Yeah. I remembered it in detail. Anyway, tell me if I'm making this up, but Kyrie reportedly reportedly whatever said he's going to play for the for the Nets no matter what. Right? This season. Well, look, it's a, it's a,
2: it's a news story every week with Kyrie. And it's like, whatever Kyrie says, I don't think you want to base any of your decisions off that, you know, it's like, (laughs) how, how available was he for the nets when he was, you know, theoretically happy last year? I mean, he, he showed up and it was less than part-time. If I was the nets, here's what I would do. Uh, I would trade Kyrie and just get the kind of toxicity out of the way. And then I would go back to Kevin Durant using your breakup analogy and be like, hey, are you serious here? Are we done done? Or are we just sort of like on a break until training camp? Right. And once you sort of sever ties with Kyrie, get all that energy out of the picture, is it kind of a lifting of spirits for Brooklyn? I mean, those guys were mentally exhausted. I went to their last two games at home in Brooklyn. They rolled over. I mean, Boston just Mm. steamrolled them at home in the playoffs. You hardly ever see that for a team with players that good. And they looked relieved to have their season over. They were all just miserable. They wanted to go on summer vacation, right? So um, that's why I'm wondering, like, okay, if you just solve the Kyrie question, get that drama out of the way, maybe Kevin Durant would be uh, willing to run it back with a different look. Nets team maybe a little bit lower expectations, but if he's still out, then you just got to trade him. I, I don't understand any world where a team that takes itself seriously would have its top two players not be fully invested. Uh, yeah. You know, Kyrie clearly not. KD is kind of one foot in one foot out and try to go forward with that as their strategy. It makes no sense to me.
1: And it's just the history of every time Kyrie saying he's all in for something, it always <laughs> turns out to be the opposite. So if I'm the Nets and I hear that I'm playing for Brooklyn, no matter what, I'm running the other way because, you know, that's not going to end well. And for KD, he is also doing the thing where after a breakup, he's trying to pick up a new hobby where he started TikTok and he's (laughs) trying to figure out what to do on TikTok. And it's Haley, you have to see these videos. It's just him videoing himself. With the caption of "How do I work this?" <laughs> it went viral.
0: <laughs> Every millennial's first TikTok is like, Everyone. "I don't really know what I'm doing on here." But I didn't know he was doing TikTok. That doesn't feel like something that he would do. But
1: I know it's, You're so, right, it's maybe-
0: also not not a good
1: <laughs> not a good sign. Both sides from Kyrie or Katie. I totally agree with you that they should cut ties. They should see what else they could get. Going back to Jalen Brown, I mean remember thinking of tweets he liked that tweet from the fan that said you know he's disrespected the fans don't respect him the organization doesn't seem like they respect him so if you're Jalen there's only so much you can take where you know your worth and like you know how good you are you know you carry the Celtics team when Jason Tatum was a little MIA you have to know that you are worth more you don't need a whole package you don't need other picks to be thrown in so I'm curious how many times he's going to take this type of treatment.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And just because we're crossing so many lines and comparing all of them to each other right now, I know that we all have had, you know, issues with how Kyrie's handled himself in certain situations and, you know, that he particularly didn't get one shot in, you know, specifically that we all wish he did. But don't forget like Kyrie was also seemed pretty mistreated and pushed out of Boston and Boston has a history of like yeah some players seem like they are ride or die Boston forever but a lot of players have also had really poor experiences there and with the organization the organization that's probably one of the biggest examples of like we're a family being a lie You know, you can always point to Isaiah Thomas.
2: Um, Isaiah Thomas is the the best example of what you're saying, right? Well, what's interesting is so you have a new front office now, but it's Brad Stevens and his moves so far have been like he's like a surgeon. You know, it's like, all right, I got to go get a front court guy. Boom. It's the Al Horford trade. I have to go get somebody at the deadline. It's Derek White. They're like these real calculated moves to try to fill holes. And all the dorks on the Internet like me just go nuts because it's like, wow, it makes so much sense. It's not costing (laughs) money. You know, this is an amazing work by Brad Stevens. This would be a real swing if he's like you know what we were two wins away from a title let's blow up our core and, and yeah. trade maybe our most popular player but you ask celtics fans like who do they like the most i think most would say tatum's the, the most talented guy on the roster right but and and smart sort of like you know he's he's the dog of the group right mm-hmm. but Jalen, he's kind of combines the talent plus the work ethic plus he's homegrown they've seen him develop step by step I mean, even these videos of him, like, you know, working out in the pool where he's like jumping up 13 feet. Celtics fans are going nuts over the pool videos this (laughs) summer. Right. And so to to watch him uh, leave would be sort of heartbreaking for them. And so it it comes down to like, is Brad that cold blooded and ruthless? Like, does he have that in him? You know, the owners do. I mean, typically owners are like, get talent. Who cares? Let's do this. Let's win a title. Right. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. make a bunch of money selling KD jerseys. Uh, I just wonder is that is that Brad's uh, lane, or is he going to say we've constructed this perfect group? We just need to run it back, and you know, and we'll be good. I don't know.
0: Yeah, something me and Jordan talk about a lot is that too many front offices want to microwave a team, and that can be a mistake. And there's a lot of teams that we can point to the Chris Paul trade to the Rockets is like my big example. I always go back to, you don't always need to do that. Like what they traded, they traded their entire bench and they had a fantastic bench and they gave them all to the Clippers. And then the Clippers were the team that had the most depth for years. Um, Not that it worked out for the Clippers either, but (laughs) you don't necessarily always want to microwave a team. There's so much upward momentum. And I wish that we took this playoffs as that there's always the like you forget about it when the team doesn't win um but you know KD is an exception like of course you'd want if you had the chance at him you'd want to entertain it or see what you could get for it but again if they don't get him it's not like it's a loss they are building a lot and I don't know necessarily they need to make a huge change
2: can I ask you guys a question on that? I mean, when Katie yeah. first made his trade demand, I was expecting like crazy offers to be floated out within like 72 hours. I was ready to make an offer for him on behalf of the Lakers or the Clippers <laughs> just so I could watch him play in LA every single night. Right. We haven't really seen that, you know, over the last couple of, uh, of, it's almost been a month really. And you look at his age, he's going to be 34. You look at the contract, you know, 40 plus million, you look at the injury issues, missed 25 plus games last year. And then I think he gets caught up in some of the Nets drama. I don't think he's the problem, really. I I do think it was mostly a Kyrie and maybe to a lesser degree a hard thing last year. But I think he gets mixed into like, oh, are you bringing this guy on? Is it going to be a soap opera? Is he going to want out or whatever else? Mm -hmm. Is that giving teams pause in a way that we wouldn't have thought? Because you hear the idea of Kevin Durant trade uh, requests. It's like, oh, everybody get to the phones, like the old Joe Dumars picture with two phones. Like, let's call in (laughs) and and make whatever offers we can. We just haven't seen it. Have you guys been surprised by that?
1: I was actually thinking about that right before you asked that, because it seems like if I'm a team, you can't forget what just happened in Brooklyn, like the preseason, all of them going together, all of them teaming up. And for it to amount to nothing and everyone up <laughs> ha- unhappy and drama, you you have to think twice. Like we remember Katie making the trade, going to the Warriors, him winning, everybody happy, cheering over there but that ended ugly. And then you have this, and this is ending ugly. You have to think twice to say, okay, is it worth it to blow everything up that we've worked for at maybe a chance at a title, but recency bias shows us that it's not guaranteed. Like Kevin Durant is not going to guarantee you getting there. And if you're Boston, you're saying, we beat them on the way. So you really have to think about it. And so I, I, if I'm an owner, if I'm a GM, I'm not rushing to the phone. I'm saying, okay, does this make sense to everything? Even though he is a superstar, but you have to think about as we're learning, you know, I'm seeing in the W now chemistry and all of that sometimes goes further than having that superstar or blowing up everything that you've worked for to get this one shot. So I do think it's pause. What do you think, Kaylee?
0: Well, my big question is kind of on the other end. Maybe it's, there's a good chance that it's that, right? Like if he isn't guaranteed to take you all the way, maybe they're using LeBron as an example. Like it's not one-to-one, but are you really going to blow it all up if you aren't for sure going to go all the way? Like you said, Mm -hmm. but I also think it's the Nets. I think the Nets are pissed, (laughs) like livid. They made this huge trade for these guys. It's amounted in so much embarrassment. So I think it's probably not leaked at all or not a lot of trades have trade rumors have leaked at all because the nets are probably asking for so much in return yeah
2: Yeah. just to to put
1: a band-aid over it just to make them feel (laughs) better
2: (laughs) yeah I mean just to make the case for the trade though I mean Tatum and KD together is that the best wing duo ever I mean I can't really think of one that would be better because I remember when Kawhi and Paul George came on you know, came together like three years ago, it was like, are they the next Jordan and Pippen? Like, Katie and Tatum, to me, is definitely better than those guys, right? I mean, Kevin's better than Kawhi, I think, historically. And just if I had to pick one based on health and all that, I'd take KD. And I take Tatum at his age right now over Paul George because he's had some injury issues too. So Everybody says wings win in the NBA now. You'd have two of the best, what, four wings in the league on the same team. Who's guarding them? I mean, Chris Middleton, you're going to have to clone him if you're Milwaukee. (laughs) You have (laughs) enough guys to to keep up there. And then, you know, Miami, they lose PJ Tucker. That would have been helpful in a playoff matchup. So they don't, you know, Jimmy can guard one of them, but he can't guard both so I feel like if they did the trade if they were uh cutthroat and ruthless they said sorry Jalen you know we thought you were going to be back but uh you know what's a Celtic always a Celtic whatever line you want to give him," and they went forward with KD they probably win the title so I mean there's got to be at least some motivation from the Celtic side to think about this
0: yeah definitely mm-hmm. to your point about Paul George and Kawhi I can't wait to see them play together really looking forward to it we can finally find out uh if it's going to work out or- I
1: love how I feel after a good workout. I feel strong, confident, and motivated, but your girl ain't young anymore. Those sore joints and muscles sometimes weigh me down and keep me from reaching my fitness goals. That's why I use the doTERRA Deep Blue Stick. It provides targeted, natural, and reliable relief without synthetic ingredients. Learn more at doTERRA.com finsters. That's D O T E R R A dot com slash spinsters. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring in one place so easy because of sponsoring jobs. No other job site takes care of you like Indeed because with Indeed, you only pay if an applicant meets your must-have requirements and indeed's doing something no other job site has done now with indeed businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description visit indeed.com spinsters to start hiring now just go to indeed.com spinsters indeed.com spinsters terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed (laughs)
0: Um, okay. So what do you guys want to talk about next? We could talk about the CBA negotiations that you brought up, Ben, when we were talking about what we should talk about. Um, LeBron signing an extension. We could talk about Liz the big liz elephant in the room Mm,
2: Um, that's the the breaking news i feel like we should go there so what happened what is what's this deal jordan so liz she did like three profiles at the start of the season everyone was like (laughs) i'm where i want to be i'm in la and i'm sitting here thinking great like you know she has such a huge personality she's great for the game she's on this kind of loaded team with names and she made it three months was that pretty much to the all-star break and that was it
1: you know ben um Someone asked me today if I was mad, mad at her as a Sparks fan, and I'm not. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself (laughs) for believing that this would work out, that this would would be wonderful. She had a press conference. They had her jersey ready. This doesn't happen in the W. Like, you got to wait for your jersey. You got to see what number is available. They had everything ready, rolled out the red carpet. She had profiles. She was saying, you know, we're going to have a ring at the end of this season. We're stacked. And then she just pieced out. She did a contract divorce. The Sparks have already been going through so many changes this season. They got rid of Derek Fisher because it was Derek Fisher. He needed to go. It was time. And they're already, you know, they're without Candace Parker. They're looking at her in the rearview mirror. She's holding a championship trophy from Chicago. The Sparks are trying to rebuild. Liz comes as this saving grace. This is going to be the new Sparks. You know, they're comparing her to, you know, this is a Lisa Leslie type person we need on this team. And from the gate, I looked at my fiance, Fred. We went to opening weekend and I was like, she's not in it. She's not in it 100%. Like you could already tell. She was excited to be in L.A., But she still wasn't, she was trying to figure out, you know, do I want to play more inside? She wanted to shoot more jumpers, which I'm like, you're getting the paint. Please do a post move. And as the season went on, the coaching changes, the chemistry issues, No one was really naming her, but they just kept saying there's egos in the locker room. Mm. There's things happening. You you never want to hear the word locker room in any (laughs) type of (laughs) talk. You are a fan of a team. Something going on in the locker room, you know, it's not going to end well. And we all woke up this morning with news that she wanted out. And it happened pretty much immediately with this term contract divorce, which is never happened in WNBA history this season it's happened twice with Tina Charles and now Liz Cambage so she quit she quit on us and mm. the Sparks are in the last spot for the playoffs right now like they have a chance to make the playoffs and this is 1 month left of the season you it's so terrible we don't even know what's going on but it's so terrible That you can't even finish out the season you can't help your team make the playoffs when, you know, you were saying you wanted a ring after all this, like they legitimately had a chance. And there's a history of this with her. And I think that's the most frustrating part. And the part that I get so upset at myself when she was in Dallas, she wanted out. She, she quit on that team. Then she got to the aces. It was supposed to be the best thing ever. She left that team. Australia, they're about to go for the Olympic gold medal. And she pieces out on that team. And now we're here. And so it's really frustrating because I want to root for her. But she does things like this. And it's we don't know the whole story, of course. But just from a fan perspective, it's kind of hard.
3: Didn't something like this happen to Angel McCautry, too, this year?
1: Well, Angel McCautry, she um, got bought out. So the Minnesota Lynx basically wasn't the same kind
3: of divorce. Okay, wasn't the
1: same kind of divorce. They just bought her out. Angel's was coming off of injury. She's really close to retirement. So that was kind of a, Hey, we, we need your spot. Basically. No DJ
3: sets involved.
1: I'm no saying. DJ sets involved. Um, yeah.
2: Well, I'm, I'm catching the fool me once, fool me twice. Shame on you type vibe uh, coming from what you're saying. You mentioned TikTok earlier. This kind of reminds me of that meme that's like, am I the drama? You know that? It's like, I can't I can't be the drama. Is, so is she the drama? Or there was some mental health things going on with her decision yeah. to kind of pull out from the Olympics last year, if I'm not mistaken. Is that the issue here? Or was this something different? I mean, I haven't read up on it deeply, but it just seems like kind of crazy. Like, I don't know what the NBA comparison of this would be when you're talking about just walking away and basically giving your money back, right?
1: Basically, I I, and like I said, you know, since this is kind of breaking news, we don't know the whole story. Maybe more things are going to come out. Maybe it was, you know, she really gelled with Derek Fisher. And that's the reason why she signed there. Now he's not there. So why am I here? I don't know my position. I don't know uh, my role. You know, I've had a couple interviews with Jordan Canada and Lexi Brown on the Sparks. And they're like, everyone's trying to figure out their role in this new system. We just learned a new system at the start of the season, middle of the season. We had to learn a whole new system. So there was a lot of buy-in that had to happen and it didn't seem like she wanted to buy in. That's what it looks like from the outside.
0: Well, my, I have like thoughts on her, but specifically, but like you said, there's like a month left of the season. Can the Sparks do this without her? Do you think?
1: Well, you know, a, a roster spot in the WNBA is a hot ticket. It is a hot commodity. So Amani uh, McGee Stafford, who's an, another wonderful player. She's 6'8", Javelle McGee's sister. She was already in the Sparks comments like, oh, you hiring? <laughs> like, <laughs> we need a post. So if we can substitute and, and sign another big who is off waivers right now or not signed to a team, there's plenty of them. There's so many great players that aren't signed right now um I think we could still do it I think if it if it takes a lot of uh like I said the buy-in the hey you're coming in this is your role we need somebody to stop the basket we need somebody to rebound like we need a defensive presence which sometimes Liz was sometimes she wasn't sometimes she was so frustrated with the refs that it would take her out of the game so Hey, Amani McGee Stafford, I'm saying we're hiring. Let's go. Let's run it to the playoffs. We got a month left, like nine or 10 games. Like this is the time to make a push. And that's tough to put the team in that situation to say like, oh, we're so close. Like we could actually make the playoffs if we just turn this around.
0: Yeah. I remember being in, when did we go to that Sparks game last year? Like there were four or five games left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, I mean, they, they had more of an outside shot then than they do now they're closer now um but it's tough to see them in the in a similar situation where it's possible but it's not looking likely um I know that the term contract divorce is goofy and when it first popped up this season I laughed too but I and I don't know who's coming up with it because it's not just one team but I actually do like it because it is suggesting something we don't see in sports too much I think soccer more which is like it's a mutual parting of ways and so that suggests that the player has the autonomy to do that which is interesting and kind of new um with Liz specifically look there's a lot of very unflattering stories that have been unflattering might not even be strong enough that have been shared publicly um I almost just said shout out to Andrew Bogut but take that back I retract um (laughs) and privately like I've heard even just season I've heard some odd stories about her um, in the past that are just make her come across as like rude um frankly but to like Ben you brought up mental health something I want to say after talking to a friend today um because he sent me the link and we were talking about it even people this maybe a comparison an NBA comparison that's not one-to-one because they never are is Ben Simmons even people who come across rude as fuck have mental health issues struggle with mental health issues and that doesn't make them less valid not everything is as clean as Kevin Love DeMar DeRozan these are idols you know they have had good track records, I guess, with their totally. personalities. Um, and they're adored figures. Even people we do not particularly find it easy to cheer for have mental health issues. So I just wish we'd never, we we don't make it as black and white. You know what I mean? She yeah. very well could be going through that. And mm-hmm. she also could be selfish. Those can both be true. So
2: well, in, in her defense, she's also like incredibly charismatic. You know, I haven't spent a ton of time around her, but I was struck with her ability to communicate with reporters and kind of say what she wanted to say. And you were talking about the refs earlier. She was kind of calling out the refs for not treating her right. I mean, I I just kind of loved all of it. Uh, This was a few years ago during their playoff series when I was covering them. And so, yeah, I mean, who knows exactly what's going on with her. It did kind of remind me, I've been reading this uh, upcoming biography about Charles Barkley, Timothy Bella guy at the Washington post wrote it's it's out in a couple months. And he almost left auburn after his sophomore year because he was upset with his coach he wanted to quit on his coach quit on his teammates he wanted out and the and the main reason why he didn't according to the book is the coach's wife was basically like his surrogate mom like his uh, his college mom almost you know kind of just took him under the wing and made sure he was fed and made sure he was comfortable because he's going to basically an all-white auburn you know back there in the 80s and sometimes you just need those superstar whisperers that you know that's that person who can actually get through the person at any given moment of their career and I'm, maybe she just hasn't found that person, you know, because I, I think, as Jordan was saying earlier, it's only a month, you never know what happens when you make the playoffs, like this could still be, you know, a great season, there's a lot left at stake. And so if you don't have that person, maybe, you know, that, that is something that could have bridged the gap here, so it didn't have to come to this. I'm curious, Jordan, do you like contract divorce too? Because when I heard it the first time, whenever it was a couple of weeks ago, I was like, that is really weird. It's like nails on a chalkboard, but I hadn't really thought about it how Haley was describing it.
1: Yeah, it is a really strange, strange term. And I think it just makes all of us go like, wait, what does that even mean? Like, what, who, where's the money involved? Like, did she, did they just get waived? Like, what is, what does this mean? But it is a mutual, you're going to your partner or your coach or the organization and you're like, this isn't working out. Is it working out for you? And they're like, nah, it's not. So then they just divorce. Um, but what it does mean, you know, is that just like what happened to Tina Charles when she requested a contract divorce from the Phoenix Mercury, then another team could sign them off mm. waivers. Like they Tina Charles was on a Seattle roster in like three days. She was like, I you guys were my second option when I was in free agency. I tried this with Phoenix, it didn't work out. Let's give it a go. But the conversations around Liz, which is like a little bit alarming a little bit for her is teams are like I don't know if you're worth it like kind of like am I the drama kind of like we're talking about with yeah. Katie they have pause when it comes to signing her she is a six seven six eight post she is dominant she could take up space but teams are like mm, we've looked at these past couple teams and their records and how they're not winning as much we want to do that there there is pause there and conversations are saying is she gonna be does she have a future in the WNBA after this like so it's not only that this is for this season but I think this was a very big decision for her for her career I think she's making a statement of like I don't know if I want to play in the WNBA much longer which she said before so it's kind of making that a, a statement with this
0: divorce I didn't know she said that before. That that shines a lot of light on it. And you know, like yeah, players, I don't think we usually give them the bigger picture of they might want a life beyond basketball. So mm-hmm if that's what she wants, uh, I suggest, I think that would be a better route than like giving up on teams because again, take care of yourself. Absolutely. But if you know, you don't have it in you, there's a lot of people depending on you, um, as a teammate and yeah, that's hopefully she's good and hopefully her teammates are good. Um, okay. Let's talk about LeBron. Ben, you just wrote a piece asking if he should sign an extension next week. I did not know this was coming up. I don't think Me the neither. rest of the world knows this is coming up, despite like the only NBA news being Jalen Brown tweeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your view? What's the setting here? What's your viewpoint?
2: Well, the fascinating part about LeBron is his free agency decisions are either like broadcast globally on ESPN for, you know, with Jim Gray, everybody's sitting down at the boys and girls club. Or they're just like whispered, like not talked about. Right. It's like when he re-signed with the Lakers in December 2020, it was like right after the bubble. I mean, he basically put out like, I don't even know if it was a one line statement. It's just like, yep, we're back. Here's the contract terms. Like did not make a big deal about it at all. And he's been really quiet all summer on this stuff. You know, and look, it's been a tough summer for LeBron. Right. Steph Mm -hmm. wins his fourth ring. So now you both have four. So you have to hear about that rivalry. They haven't traded Westbrook. It was kind of like, hey, Lakers front office, you got one job, right? Please trade Russell Westbrook. Just It's time to move forward and do something different. They haven't gotten that accomplished. And you look at some of the pickups that they've made. I mean, they're fine moves, but it's nobody who's really going to make a, a big impact in terms of wins and losses for the Lakers. And so you imagine if you're Le- LeBron, you're weighing this decision, you're watching everything that's unfolding. If I was him, I wouldn't be happy. I, I don't know if I would be like frustrated and trying to demand a trade and all that. I would be like, wait a minute, do I really want to be here for a couple more years? Last year was really tough for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, by the end of the season, they were all out of gas, just kind of mentally over it, exhausted. Um, you know, that's why they crumbled out of even the play-in tournament as, you know, ultimately, did they even want to be there? You know, I'm not sure that they did because it's just kind of prolonging the inevitable. But if you're LeBron, you're also about to turn 38. They're offering you potentially two years and almost $100 million. It's pretty good money. You get to stay in L.A., Ronnie's not quite ready for the NBA yet. So you're still kind of biding your time mm-hmm. until he can kind of be in the draft. So there are reasons to stay. I just think it's a really interesting, like almost like uh, you know, office cooler conversation, like should LeBron want to stay with the Lakers or should he try to go somewhere else? I mean, maybe back to Cleveland, uh, maybe just play the season out and see how it goes. It you know, usually he's really good at kind of scripting his career, right? It's like, I'm going to Miami and it's going to be the heatles and we're taking over. Now I'm going back to Cleveland. It's this beautiful, a heartwarming uh, comeback story. And I'm the homecoming king. Right. Then he goes to LA and it's like this big glitzy media thing. Like what's the story. If he stays with the Lakers, it's like kind of slow. You know, he's going to start getting MJ. Jordan. Comparisons here pretty soon. Right. And does <laughs> he want that? Story? You know, is, is there a better story? So I don't know. I mean, if, if you were like in his camp and he's like, Hey, should I do this or not? What do you think? I mean, I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. Cause I, to me, it feels a little bit like he's damned if he does. Where he's damned if he doesn't, because if mm. he doesn't sign it all year, all we're going to talk about yeah. next year, LeBron's going to be a free agent, right?
1: Oh gosh. I don't want that. I don't want that. But it's, it's so interesting too. You mentioned his age, like anyone else. If they had an extension,
3: it would be like, oh,
1: where do I – can you just ship it to me overnight so I can sign it so you don't change your mind? But then you see LeBron playing in the Drew League, and he looks like he's 25. Like, he's still so spry. He still has so much to give to this game. The expectation that we put on LeBron in year, like, 100 is so wild. Mm. But – um. I think he signs it. I think he's yeah. fine in L.A. I don't know. I don't think it's it, maybe it's not uh, uh, been broadcast and not that big of a deal because he if it was a big deal, he would make it a big deal, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. He would want it broadcast and he would want it that way. So maybe the fact that we haven't really heard this and this is whispers. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to sign. I have
0: a devil's yeah. advocate, please. Ooh. OK, think lemonade. Unannounced album dropped, mm.
3: right? <laughs> what,
0: what if he's going to do that? What if this is all he wants to keep it quiet? He's making big plans? There are signs that, I mean, not as many in the past of him pulling the Rick Pitino, like, public. I'm really unhappy and you know with X player and it's very cryptic, but ever it's not cryptic at all. Um you know we saw what he said do, during All-Star, but also that doesn't mean that's entirely his personality. Like you kind of learn from that and I think we've all had moments where we look back at how we behaved and we're like I don't really know if that was the best thing for me to do. So it's not like that's entirely going to predict this time around, like you know just his track record, but it's interesting. You know, like you said, that would be the biggest story of 2023. His history would lead us to believe that that's a, what he would want. And like mm-hmm. you said, Jordan, any other 37-year-old who turns uh, 38 in December, he's a mm-hmm. Capricorn, but I can't remember if it's December or January. Yeah, um, December who yep. turn is about to turn 38 they want a contract be, simply because that this would probably be their last like they're lucky if they even get this one so it's you know the lebron of it all is just always so unique and who knows i think it a lot of it um has to do with westbrook And that's already predetermined, like they're not going to be able to trade him. It doesn't look like so. Whether he can sign on mentally another year to play with Westbrook, um, that's probably what he's based his decision on, or maybe he's looking ahead like you suggested, Ben, um, because there's a chance. Maybe he's not trying to go far so he can rest his body for one. Yeah. Maybe he's
3: tweeting about Mark price at two 30 in the morning for no reason (laughs) at all. You know.
2: Well, there were some other Cleveland tweets, uh, you know, or Akron tweets about his, uh, his old coach getting the court at his high school named after him, you know, it's the LeBron James arena, but now it's the Drew Joyce court. So LeBron's kind of shouting those guys out too. So he's sprinkled a few things here and there. And if you start to imagine LeBron with Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen, and Darius Garland like that is a real squad, right? So it, it gets a little bit more interesting than maybe like, say, uh, uh, next year's Lakers on paper, which to me are just really top heavy and, and probably not going to make a ton of noise. Um, Ron's also but... been in
3: the entertainment industry enough now to know nothing sells better than a remake. So, right. you know,
2: mm-hmm. what's God. more
3: standard than him writing another I'm coming home letter? We've all done it before. We've all bought those tickets
2: the
1: Cavs fan has spoken on that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's something that you, you have to kind of consider just because I mean, the Lakers don't have their future picks, right? Anthony Davis, yeah. it's like, you know, can you count on them or not? And Russell okay. Westbrook Haley nailed it. It's like, it's really hard to trade them. And LeBron you know, kind of tried to flex during all-star weekend, right? It seemed like he was saying, Hey, we need to kind of shake things up and the Lakers kind of flexed back. And we're like, eh know, come into Jeannie's office. Let's talk about it. You know, we're not racing to trade all of our future picks just to get you somebody else to, to kind of fix that Westbrook situation. So I do think LeBron, even though his game is still incredible, it's just started to slip a little bit. He's not where he was a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I think the same is true with his influence. I think his influence is just starting to slip a little bit. I still think he's the most influential player in the NBA, you know, probably by leaps and bounds. But I'm not sure he's still that guy who could just say, hey, I want this chess piece to move there and I get every move that I want. And, and these organizations are just going to do my bidding. Um, but, you know, look, I'm not trying to run LeBron out of town either, though. there's some nights last year. Remember, he had 50 plus last year It's you know, he had the oh going crazy. I mean, when he's at his best, he's still one of the best shows in the league.
0: For sure. Um, Okay, let's move on quickly before because I do want Ben's story time um, to the CBA negotiations, which are coming up uh, following this next season. Right. And this is also prompted by an article you wrote back in January.
2: Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys about Tamika Tremaglio. She's the most powerful woman in the NBA. You know, bottom line, period. You know, she's the new executive director of the Players Union. Um, the NBA business is back in such a big way compared to where it was during the pandemic. I mean, I remember all the panic about, is there even going to be a league? Are they going to ever be able to get fans back? Mm-hmm. The NBA had $10 billion in revenue this past season, an all-time record, right? So they're feeling good. They want the good times to keep rolling. And actually, both sides have the ability to opt out of their current collective bargaining agreement in December, which means that negotiations are sort of kind of ready to happen whenever they want them to happen. And the old joke used to be that NBA stood for nothing but attorneys, you know, David Stern's an attorney, Adam Silver is an attorney, everybody in the league office is attorneys. But, you know, Tamika actually comes from a little bit of a different background. She, she is, uh, you know, a trained lawyer, but she's also an accountant. And I kind of think the NBA is starting to shift towards being nothing but accountants because there's just so much money at stake here. And when she got the job um, replacing Michelle Roberts, the players told her, "Look, be a rainmaker for us. We want you to grow wealth. You know, we want mm-hmm. to start trying to get into ownership groups. We want to have our own licensing deals. We want you to try to find any other ways you can kind of create, you know, big meaningful amounts of money for the players beyond just their typical contracts, right? And so she's kind of coming in this almost as the CEO of CEOs, where you've got all these players. You know, CJ McCollum, you know, he, he's worth hundreds of millions at this point. He's the new uh, head of the Players Association." there's a lot of guys who are in that spot where they want to have kind of like, you know, big time, big time. wealth, and
3: mm-hmm. they've sort of
2: tasked her with guiding that, uh, that journey. And so to me that there's actually a good optimistic note here, because it means we're probably not going to have a lockout. There's so much money at stake that nobody wants to tip over the apple cart. Right. But still there are going to be some things they have to negotiate. Um, Adam Silver was talking about it during summer league. You know, there's, um, the one and done rule potentially, you know, can mm-hmm. you go straight from high school? There's the luxury tax system. Um, there's the length of the schedule in terms of are they playing too many games? Do they want to add a mid-season tournament? So they have a number of issues that they've already sort of laid out as being the agenda for the next talks. Uh, but to me, it's just a really interesting dynamic where you've got this woman who's, uh, you know, she's just been about numbers all of her life, just obsessed with trying to, uh, you know, make uh, wealth for her clients now being in a situation where her clients are worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we kind of see where this goes.
0: Jordan, you're, you mentioned that you're a big fan. Did you, have you met her or just from reading about her?
1: No, just from reading about her and that story. I love her, her energy, her vibe. I feel like that really jumped off the, off the page when you interviewed her. And I love what CJ said in your story too, about, you know, the difference between the players and the owners where the players are making good money, but the owners and other executives have good money. Like they have the wealth that the players are trying to go after. And it seems like she is really hired at a specific time where it's like, Mm. yes, please get us all this money. Do what you do best. You compare the difference between uh, Michelle Roberts and how she was kind of had to be the aggressor and be like, I'm mm-hmm. not taking anything. We have to fight for all of this. And Tamika's coming in and saying, OK, we're working together. We've we've had those grievances, but now we went through a bubble season and we have to kind of come together. How can we make this work together? Do you feel like that's the overall vibe that she's trying to just make sure everybody is working as a unit and make sure the players are are getting more money?
2: Well, you nailed it on the personality side. I mean, Michelle Roberts is an intimidating woman. I'm not sure if you've met her, but, uh, you know, she's a lifelong lawyer. And if I could just imagine a lot of people walking into courtrooms, seeing her and then just kind of groaning and having the shoulder shrugs like, oh, no, we got to go against Michelle today. This is not going to be a fun day. And Tamika, it's more of a bubbly personality. You know, she actually was a, a high school cheerleader, a college cheerleader. And she's proud of that. She says, you know, still today, I'm a cheerleader for the sport. But she's also, you know, pretty ruthless. I mean, she's coming from Deloitte, which is this, you know, very famous uh, global accounting firm. And she rose up the ranks there, you know, to the point where she could already kind of retire. You know, there she was eligible for retirement already, which is, you know, pretty impressive given her age. But so she's got this bubbly side where she's sending out holiday cakes to, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of her friends that are handmade. She enlists her two sons to help her bake these things in their kitchen. So she's got that, you know, kind of friendly side to her. But she's also got, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, the Olivia Pope side to her, too, where it's like the power suits, the nice heels, like, look, get me in a boardroom and I'm going to be able to outfox anybody. I loved, uh, you know, the, the WNBA Player Association's head, Terry Jackson, telling the story about how they were in negotiations with their collective bargaining agreement with the WNBA. And Tamika was just hammering a point, uh, you know, over and over again where one of the WNBA representatives was like, I can't get Tamika's head out of my mind. You know, he's yeah. admitting this during the negotiation. So, you know, you can tell she got into his head a little bit. Uh, but yeah, she's a fascinating lady. She's up early in the morning. She's on the, you know, pounding out the Pelotons or the rowing machine. You know, she tracks all of her steps with the Fitbit. I mean, she's just, you know, complete type A personality. And what I've been amazed, uh, you know, by her is just the visibility. I have been going to a lot of playoff games, obviously, over these last couple of months, the NBA draft, uh, you know, the the draft lottery. It's like everywhere I go, I see her. She's courtside at Summer League. I mean, she is completely invested. She's trying to be a very visible um, face for this group of athletes. And I think that they appreciate that, right? I mean, Michelle Roberts lived in the bubble for three months as sort of like the dead mom for all the players down there. She would just sit by the pool. They'd come over and like, ask her for life advice. And, you know, she really cherished that role. And I think with Tamika, it's like, you know, there's a real power to her presence, you know, being at these events. And uh, it's just a far cry from where the union was, you know, 15, 20 years ago with Billy Hunter and the scandals and all that kind of stuff. Hmm.
0: She sounds like a Virgo. That's what I put my money on. Um, (laughs) The Peloton, Burley, organized. Yeah, can unite people. Sounds like a Virgo. I I think that. that the stakes for this, upcoming agreement are interesting to me because the teams are interested in a lot of change for example um you know one and done rule like you mentioned that's probably the biggest thing that we've heard about and obviously between the owners and the players we often hear about issues that affect the owners more taking precedent. Um, But like you said, there's so much at play this time around. And I don't want to like equate too much the pandemic um, for players, you know, how it changed them and how it changed people who are not making millions of dollars. But we all kind of had a realization that this level of operating that we've been on, like, you know, work, 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 work is not healthy and also not necessary. And Mm. even before the pandemic happened for years, we've been talking about the schedule being unrealistic. More players are getting hurt. Um, we've never seen the Clippers operate fully for long, you know, that's like, we're robbed of certain teams. And I know that players feel like they're robbed of certain points in their career. There's a lot of things that players could bring up. And also I'm curious how, you know, player empowerment, as much as we say it now will manifest into these labor talks, because at the end of the day, that's what they are. It's not just about broadcast money and what teams are going to be allowed to do and owners and et cetera. Like these are very much the players going in and saying, this is what we want. This is what we need. I might be reading too much into it but I could see this actually being a lockout because I think mm. that they are you know again to use the cliche term we all use now more empowered than ever to say this is what you need to give us so I could see it maybe I'm reading too much into um ha- you know the through line between players saying I'm not gonna play here anymore and like contract divorces and you know all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it well, is you've you hit on the two
2: You've hit on the two big issues, right? So you have this idea of trade demands and I want to get out and I, you know, I'm taking, you know, even with four years left, if you're Kevin Durant, I just want to take my ball and go somewhere else, right? That's a huge issue that really angers the owners because they feel like, look, we're giving you guaranteed contracts, you're not living up to the bargain, right? And you have this other issue, which is the owners really want the players to play every single night. They don't like load management. The television partners hate load management. Every time Charles Barkley goes on TV and jokes about, oh, the fans at home can go to sleep early. You know, they don't have to watch this game. He's doing that on behalf of his bosses, basically, because they're saying like, wait a minute. Why aren't these guys out there actually playing these basketball games? So something is going to have to give, right? I mean, with this schedule, if you want, if you if you can't load manage and you've got all these players, you know, racking up these miles, they're probably going to have to bring the schedule down. I would assume, or, or you know, they're going to have to kind of reframe this uh, in some different way because uh, it's just not realistic to expect that everybody's going to play all these games and not have injury issues and, and everything else. You know, what I'm curious about though are the owners? Uh, is there uh, bark bigger than their bite when it comes to these trade requests and trade demand stuff because they can get upset about it. I understand that, but do they really want to shut down the sport after just having a couple of years that were compromised where they lost billions of dollars um, because they're so upset about it? Right? Like if I'm an NBA NBA owner and I'm looking at what's happening in Brooklyn right now, I'm just laughing at the Nets. You know, I'm not like, oh no, this is horrible. The Nets are getting screwed. I'm like, no, you guys made a series of mistakes. You bet on the wrong stars, it blew up in your face, tough luck. By the way, you're paying so much money to those stars that you have a gigantic luxury tax bill and I'm getting money back from the NBA because of your luxury tax spending. This is great. Let's have some more nets out there, you know? And so that's where I kind of, uh, I I do wonder on the financial side, like is, is the NBA almost too big to fail? Are they too profitable to fail here? Where like eventually they're gonna be able to find a way to make negotiations just so they can keep the cash registers going. And by the way, like the NBA salaries have gotten completely insane. I mean, Damian Lillard signed a new deal that will eventually pay him more than $60 million a year. It's not that long ago that the entire salary cap for a whole team was $60 million. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like within the last 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So if you're the players, do you really want to go to a lockout? You know, it's like a 60 million sounds pretty good to me. I don't know.
0: Well, that's the thing is that um, we've, known for a long time. <laughs> the example that I think of is the Bucks doing, uh, the walkout and the whole, you know, the entire league stopping as well, who is going to blink first in a battle mm. between the owners and the players is always going to be the players because they have more money at stake. When you hear about like, what is the stat? If a million dollars versus a billion dollars is like the billion, a million is the top of the empire state building and the billion is the whole thing. I don't know. It's something like that. If someone googled like a comparison because <laughs> it is such a gross difference that these teams, I want to remind everyone, have only grown in value exponentially even when the NBA is quote unquote going through failing times, even when there's been, like through the pandemic, these owners are not going to lose money on these teams. They're not going to become less valuable. Players missing time, though, is going to cost them, like you said, a lot more money now. But even it's not like in a union, the players who are making veteran minimums have as much say, and that's a fault of unions. Like there are power hierarchies within them. Um, But who's going to blink first? I don't know if this analogy is going to sit with Peter, you and Ben as much, but what Jordan you're going to be familiar with this. Like who's going to blink first. One of us is wearing individual lash pieces. The other one is wearing very, very heavy, full lashes, right? The players are going to blink first. There's way more pressure on them. They're going to end owners can be owners till the day they die.
1: Yeah. And I'm always going to choose a side of the players. I think just for that exact reason, I always think about when we have this, this conversation um, from the WNBA Wubble, Uh, From the documentary 144, they showed an inside look at, you know, the players union bringing everyone together and them saying like, okay, we're going to sit out the next game like this is a decision we're going to do. Like we think this is a good decision. And Courtney Williams stood up and she said, you know, that's my paycheck. Like you guys got it like Mm -hmm. that. You can sit out a game. I don't really have it like that. I'm here in the bubble away from my family. To earn money and to earn a paycheck. So that's it's such a hard decision when it comes down to it because it's like, OK, yeah, yeah, we're going to sit out. But I bet there's some players that are like, yeah, we can't sit out too long. Like, I, what, what are we doing here? We need to know so I can provide for my family. I can provide for myself. There's just so many layers to that as a player. And it it's unfortunate that the owners have so much money that they're like, okay, we'll see how
0: long you guys, we can sit out. I've before. got a new yacht. So yeah. I'll <laughs> hang on the yacht and you guys let me know when you want me to come back into shore.
2: No, it's a shore?
0: great point. I'm not rich enough. To it's a great
2: notes. point because Chris Paul was the former head of the players union. He was a max guy. CJ McCollum's kind of been a max guy. And they have to bridge the gap between where they're at and the rank and file. That's the toughest part of the union is because you've got Mm -hmm. guys on minimum contracts where they feel an obligation to make sure they're not getting left, you know, left out to dry. That happened in the NBA bubble as well, by the way, you know, they were talking about, you know, a whole bunch of guys where if you're on a minimum or you're a veteran, you might not play again. If they didn't restart the bubble after the Bucks protest, those guys, you know, that could just be it for them. And, And that was one of the factors that they considered, one last thing to kind of underscore your point about just the wealth and and the owners and the players different perspectives they're also going to be pretty soon negotiating contracts for their media rights deals and it's Mm -hmm. possible that companies like amazon can get in the mix where they just have crazy 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 money you know way bigger deals potentially than the current partners like espn disney and, and turner right Adam Silver actually called himself the bell of the ball when he was in Las Vegas, because he was talking about going to a media conference where everybody was so excited to see him because, uh, you know, he okay, had the gender
3: fluid.
2: I was impressed by his
3: statement.
2: But he was essentially saying, like, look, everybody wants the NBA because mm-hmm. you know, you've got it's so many hours of programming. It's all live. People will sit through the advertisement to watch the games. And then it's also just you know dominate social media with the player personalities and it's super clippable, right? So it's gonna be all over Twitter, TikTok, and everything else. And so he said he's feeling like those negotiations are gonna be better than ever because everybody wants a piece of the NBA, and that's one more reason where well it, it's hard to upset that if um, you know if somebody's throwing tons and tons of money at you, it's really hard to say no, right? And and a labor stoppage could kind of screw that up so. It's. Yeah. I think it's a much better time to be the NBA right now, I would say, whether you're a player or an owner, than it was two years ago. I'll tell you, man, the bubble was really scary. Before the bubble coming into that time period, it was like, how how deep is this, uh, is this canyon going to go? And I think they came out of it quicker and in better shape than I expected, and it could really take off here. I mean, $60 million for a player for an annual, I mean, that could just be the start, you know, especially if they get this new... TV rights deal, Amazon drops a bunch of money on them. It could be 70, 80 before
3: we know it. Yeah, if you I stack a million dollars in singles, it's the Empire State Building. If you stack a billion dollars, it reaches outer space. <laughs> Is
0: that <that's laughs> okay. real?
3: It, it reaches you look the... You that up?
0: Or are you um, just saying that? St-
3: stacking a billion dollars would measure to 67.9 miles and would reach from the Earth's surface into the lower per- portion of the troposphere, one of the major outer layers of the earth's atmosphere.
2: Wow. Yeah. So Steve okay. Ballmer that's, is like, I got troposphere money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's better. Okay. So this is the one that that's I, I, I literally saying. Googled billionaire millionaire metaphor. This is another one that's also like miles high, which I really like because I feel like that's a uh, helpful. Um, the other one, I know that it's a time metaphor. It's like a, if you yeah, a million seconds. seconds is like this far back in time. Yep, a billion yep, yep, is this yep. far back. But here's a tweet that I'm quoting this guy, David O. Atkins. David, if you're problematic, I'm taking away this, um, <laughs> not at- attributing it to you anymore. I don't know him. He's got a check mark that means nothing. Okay. He says the staircase is the best analogy for wealth inequity I've seen. If wealth were a staircase, one half of Americans would be on the first step. Two, the top 20% would be on step five. Three, millionaires would be on step 11. Billionaires, step 10,000. Bezos oh. himself, 133 miles high.
2: Whoa.
0: So, yeah. Um, oh. Hopefully, I don't partner with Amazon. Um, <laughs> we might have to beat that out because I got some job shit coming up. Um, OK, anyway, uh, that's very important to consider with the NBA. I know you're listening to this and you're like, I'm just an NBA fan. No, listen, that matters with these mm-hmm. negotiations. That matters because if you think that the players are asking for too much, remember their time as a player is extremely limited. Right. When you look at players who have been able to come billionaires, it's not a long list. You can count it on one hand and it's not from their playing career alone. It's from sponsorships, endorsements, their playing career, and largely, mostly investments.
3: It's majority from Nike actually, right? (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't know. That's like, I think with Jordan, they've broken it down, but I honestly don't know anyone beyond, but just, just NBA players specifically. I don't know anyone beyond. Yeah. Yeah mike and LeBron. um so anyway yeah sorry to get on the uh, old socialist soapbox again but
2: here i am well hey that sparked the thought for me um uh, which is we talk so much about max salaries and i've even been talking a lot about max salaries in this conversation because that's what people kind of gravitate towards oh 60 million a year i mm-hmm. think if you're the players union and the money's rolling like this you should really consider substantially increasing the minimum salaries because those haven't changed all that much But if you're worried about, okay, like livelihood issues or taking care of everybody else, if you have this much money pouring in, it's like you could give it to the top 25 players and Bradley Beal can get this, you know, 200 plus million dollar extension, even though they've never done really anything in Washington with him as the main guy. Mm -hmm. Or you could make sure that every guy, instead of getting 1.2 million or you're playing on these two-way contracts or whatever else, you could make that three, four million dollars and everybody's living better so it's something to consider yeah. something to advocate for if you're if you're trying to push uh, that particular agenda
0: Totally because yeah. um unfortunately that's never going to be something that you're going to get from ownership side of a negotiation. But when we talk about what are you going to go in and fight for, if you want labor, if you want equality within a union, that's what you have to fight for. So hopefully we see something like that. That would be interesting. Um, I think that the W has served as a good example, although it was not perfect and some things were left to be desired. Um, as always, I hope that, uh, they take from their example. Okay. Last thing we want story time with Ben. I love when we have on people who are actually out there. Um, and I asked you before, if you have any fun anecdotes from teams, games, being in locker rooms, et cetera, et cetera. So floor is well it's
2: it's been a crazy run uh i think i went on like 37 flights over the last three months to kind of cover these playoffs something along those lines and you know i've maxed out every status like delta hertz you know they all like treat me like i'm a like a sultan or something at this point it's been kind of just a (laughs) wild wild time you know just with the schedules like coming back together and all that yeah um i don't know if i have crazy stories to to explain i guess you know in terms you, you were talking about tea right so I've had two top 10 NBA players unfollow me for things I've either said on podcasts or written. That's, so that's one. I've had a top 20 player say he was going to pray for me in my DMs because of something that I said. And I actually, I think I was right. I think history proved me in our little disagreement, uh, but I appreciated the prayers. I think my favorite story though, like that people, you know, I tell this one to like journalism students, right? So I was doing a cover story on Jimmy Butler his first cover story. And I think people know what Jimmy's personality, it's not some big, huge surprise, but he wasn't a superstar level guy at that point. It was like 2014. And, um, we were going through the fact-checking process and the fact-checking process for like major magazine stories is excruciating. It's awful. You know, I always compare it to like a colonoscopy or whatever, like they go through every little word. It all has to be right down to the, the, the thing. And I had to keep calling him back and say, hey, we need to talk to this person. We need to talk to this person. And he was just like basically sick of it, right? And so he started like cursing up a storm at me on the phone. And I think he thought I was going to go away if he just sort of flipped out on me. And it was like, well, I can't go back to the fact checker and just tell them that you're unhappy. That's just really not how it works. <laughs> so I had to like call back again. And like we're going through this like, you know, two, three rounds of uh, things. And he, you know, he was really upset about it. I understand why it was like private details about his life and all that. And, it, you know, it's not a fun thing to talk about. And certainly after you've given a really long interview to like have these people nickel and diving you after the fact, it's like, if you're an athlete, you're just like, come on, get off my back. Right. Um, unfortunately, that's not how it works. We had to just kind of keep doing, keep doing it. Finally, I kind of lost my cool back at him and I'm not proud to say it, but I was like kind of throwing back some fanatism. I tried never to curse on podcasts, but I was like going back at him a little bit and he, Honestly, I think he liked that. Cause I think in, in the end he was trying to, he was trying to test me a little bit, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, you know, so anyway,
0: he would uh, like fact, that. Of course.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so we resolved that situation. I think at one point I was like, look, if you bleep and want to be on the cover of this magazine, it's going to be in every airport that you have to help me with the bleep and bleep, you know, like <laughs> kind of to that level. Um, everything got solved. You know, magazine came out great. Cover looked great. I think he was happy. I mean, you have to ask him, but I think he was pleased with it. Everyone, you know, was all resolved. But I still kind of came away with it. When you have that kind of an argument, you're like a little, you know, it's not scarred, but like you're not going to like forget it. Right. So fast forward like three years, and I'm doing another story um, with him about something else. It wasn't a huge story, it was just something where he was going to talk. And Three days before I had written that story, I had just published one on Blake Griffin where it was like behind the scenes at a, a commercial shoot. And the lead of the story was about Blake, the size of Blake Griffin's calves and how all these elementary school kids who were like extras in the commercial shoot were just staring at Blake Griffin's <laughs> calves and like gawking at them, right? So I, that, I just kind of made that my intro because it was like, oh, this is a funny hook. It's different, it's color, you know, people will be into it, right? So I get onto the phone uh, with Jimmy and the first thing he says is, you're gonna write about my calves? <laughs> so somehow he had read the Blake Griffin story, and I think he was trying to like icebreak probably from the previous thing. Who knows? But he was just trying to like signal like, hey man, it's all good. Interview went on from there. So um, you know, to me, you know, to bring it full circle, it was one of the joys of the bubble, actually, to see Jimmy play at the peak levels mm-hmm. of his capabilities. Because when I was first writing that story. I mean, he's telling me like, oh, I'm, you know, I go into Bulls practice. I call myself baby Mike and I'm shooting all these turnarounds and I want to be the point guard. And, you know, Derek Rose is here. But this is going to be my team. I mean, he was just so full of swagger at that point. And you fast forward through the Chicago downfall and then Minnesota and then the Philly mm-hmm. year and you get to Miami and they're, you know, they're kind of paying dues in Miami. And for him to go like head to head, you know, just exhausted 15 round bout with LeBron 40 points in the finals, just play like peak Jimmy basketball. I mean, obviously, he came up a little bit short, but just to kind of see him reach that apex, which when you're writing in 2014, you just hope he's ever going to get there, right? Or, you know, you're thinking maybe this would be possible one day. It was really satisfying for me. So yeah, he can swear at me all he wants, but uh, that's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite stories I like to tell people. And, you know, sometimes I guess the, the moral is you got to stand up for yourself. You can't just take it.
1: Yeah. And you sure. stood up for Fact Check. That was the moral of the story for me. I'm a former retired fact checker, so thank you for standing up for us. Gotta well, get is it as bad right. as
2: is it as bad as I made it out? I mean, it's pretty tough.
0: Right? Oh yeah, it's horrible. We
1: have to go through every word. <laughs>
0: it's the worst. Um, my my mom, when we were kids, she used to say, "You can't half-ass chores just to get out of them," because that was I was the queen of that. I half-assed fact-checking to get out of it because when you get something wrong, they're going to be like, all right, take her off of it. Fuck this. So yes, it was that bad. Ben, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Um, you are full of insightful things and we want you to come back very soon. Thanks, It was my ben. pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me. Love the show. Keep it up. And hopefully we'll uh, see you soon. Yay!